Anua Vexler is the Executive Director at the Actionable Knowledge Foundational Institute, AKFI, and a Cornell Instructor and Facilitator. He has a wealth of experience in leading and facilitating discussions on sustainability and digital transformation. I started our conversation by asking Manuel to give a brief overview of what 5G is. Uh, it's a radical departure architecturally. It is really the first architecture that merges telecom and IT. Uh, so it's very little distinction, uh, short of base stations and radio deployments between the architecture of a uh, cloud-based uh, IT product and the telecom product. So the control plane, for instance, is totally in the uh, cloud. So it's a radical departure uh, with the intent to uh, leverage on the cloud. And to finish the, this, we notice already in the US and probably in the Europe as well, uh, companies like AT&T in the US and Verizon um, actually outsourcing their control plane to the cloud vendors, uh, AT&T to Microsoft Azure. You know, certainly in my opinion, we are uh, at a moment uh, that is probably the greatest threat uh, that humans, modern humans have ever faced in their 200 or 1000 year history uh, on this planet. Uh, is 5G a good idea in that context? It's a two-sided coin, like almost everything we do in technology. Uh, on one hand, it's um, uh, allowing a much more uh, or a better communication, which can actually reduce the amount of using transportation, uh, uh, because of communications, direct communications. It, it also allows deployment of technologies in case of emergencies. It allows a very high density of IoT, Internet of Things, so we can use it for measurements on the climate and uh, um, you know, in agriculture, in, in the cities. So there is definitely a positive aspect which comes from technology in general, and 5G is a more efficient technology if we measure, for instance, the amount of power used per user to um, have the same level of connectivity, let's say 10 megabits per second, you flip the coin and on the other side of the coin, you have uh, uh, higher density of base stations, which require uh, definitely more electricity, uh, require also uh, use you know using more materials including connectivity like uh, we, we need to connect these base stations with with uh, fiber optics uh, normally requires overall more power uh, it also allows to go into the enterprise and control robots so from an energy energy viewpoint it adds to the energy spend it adds to the um, uh, scope scope uh, two and three for or in scope one if you are a telco so you know like everything we do in technology we can look from a positive and the negative on the environment whatever we do it impacts the environment it impacts social it impacts the economics and so on yeah and i was reading about the actual 
construction of these base stations that that uh, there's rare earths like uh, yttrium and barium and and uh, also aluminium and copper and that they're they're not designed to be recycled that uh, which is a classic of the technology industry that um, the recycling rate in 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 e-waste is about 20% or less and of what we even recycle in of that 20% we get back about 30% of materials so the effective cycling rate in um, technology is 5% so 95% of what goes into a typical technology project uh, product ends up in a dump poisoning water and poisoning air and, and we're going to have and that's you know I'm, I've spent thirty years in the technology industry and I, I've never you know I never thought about these issues till a couple of years ago that that really we are leaving an extraordinary toxic legacy behind us uh, and you know we have we face all these multiple crises soil crisis air crisis water crisis novel entities crisis there's so many crises. It's not just climate change. And, you know, it 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 strikes me that that, you know, we, we just I mean, imagine that the technology industry designs its products in a way so that only five percent of the materials used can be reused again. And that base stations are a perfect example of products that are being designed so that they cannot be recycled? I would say there are no design not to be recycled because that means design intent. I, I was a product manager in a couple of jobs, uh, one of them with Cisco. So when you are a product manager, you're looking at the design intent. And the design intent, as you said, is, is, to, is functional. So they have to function. Do you look at reliability figures so they don't want you to have a high failure rate? What we've done at AKFI, and we are in the process of just launching, we um, rewrote the book on how to design a product for recycling. We call it the, uh, the uh, so, so we look at the whole process from the definition of the product, which is called the market requirement documents to a product requirement documents. And we put sustainability, we call it the SMRD and SPRD, putting sustainability in front of this process. So to, to, to answer your question, uh, I would argue that the design intent is uh, functional so far, and nobody cares about uh, recycling or what happens when the end of life happens for, for these products working in the industry i know there are many people caring about the environment but they don't have the right processes the right time the right cost to build recycle recyclability into the product so we have a white paper for whoever in your uh, um, audience wants to order one uh, i think you'll put my email address in my introduction absolutely but it's also the technology in in, the, in general, its business case, not to make things recyclable so that 
you can sell the next generation product. Like it's 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 a business model uh, in maybe unstated, but it's it's it, planned obsolescence is a business model, and the less recyclable products are, the more new products you can actually sell. So it's it's maybe it's no no manager gets up uh, and states uh, we are not going to make this recyclable but i remember reading in uh, brian merchant's book the 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 one um the one product of it about the iphone i can't remember his name mm-hmm. but one of the senior engineers said to him uh, uh, from apple he says well we weren't asked to make it repairable that's true because because and actually very recently Apple had to change because of law changes. They have them to make the product repairable and actually offer third-party repairs. They they need to share the diagrams and so on. But um, let's be real: repairing a, a smartphone may cost you more than buying a new one, as you said. And, and to complete your idea, uh, uh, and, and Jerry, uh, Apple had been sued because they reduced the, on the old models, they reduced the functionality, the life cycle of the battery uh, to, in order to, you know, people buy more. I would step back from what you said for a second, if you allow me, and stepping back, I'm going to say that this is a general economic problem of our society. We measure everything in growth of GDP. So it's not only Apple or Microsoft or telecom industry or transportation industry. We all measure on growth. We, we reward the CEOs, we reward the executives for growth of the companies. And when we do that, of course, you want to uh, to sell the, the new gizmo. Somebody said to me, you know, 5G in a factory setting, uh, it can be a really excellent um, environment uh, but 5g for most people is it really necessary like you know can can't most people live quite well with with 2g well 3g or 4g like you know uh you know or is it really to sell vr headset like i mean in a, in these this absolute crisis of humanity it seems like the technology industry is focused on virtual reality and artificial and, uh, you know, stuff that's just incredibly energy intense and incredibly material intense. Uh, and that, you know, this these, these are not solutions that are appropriate to uh, in an environmental crisis, but they are appropriate to Ericsson's or whoever's uh, growth trajectory for the next three years. The point is 5G, it's a uh, solution that is looking for a killer app or a problem. And the problem is not AR, VR. The problem is not downloading a a, a Netflix video in five seconds or 50 seconds, uh, because we cannot watch. uh, 5G exceeds our... uh, um, biological capabilities to read, to watch, to listen, right? We're not going to listen to Beethoven at 10x speed, right? So 
5G, it's, a, it's, it's an architecture that is driven by the evolution of the technology, not by the evolution of the market, in my opinion. Or, or, or the human. <laughs> like, it's a great point. So what, like, why would I, why do I need 5G as an ordinary person? I would argue that, you know, short of certain, you know, very narrow, as you said, industrial applications, uh, I don't see uh, the 4G performance being a limiting factor for usage. For, for instance, a lot of time people talk about 5G and the higher band spectrum, but you can do, as you know very well, you can reduce the power for the antennae and uh, and uh, increase the density. So uh, th there there are technical solutions that engineers know how to. And we've we've been doing that with cellular network for years and years. So short, I do not know, and uh, I have many discussions in the industry with the with people in in, in different functions. I don't know a killer app for five G. Like it seems, Manuel, that we are caught as humans, you know, and almost like the more intelligent we are, the more trapped we are by progress and by innovation that we are, sure. you know, that we, we, we recognize all these greater problems. Like if we want to solve the climate crisis, we must reduce energy consumption. It's not about finding new models of energy production. It's not about moving from, from oil to electric. We need to radically reduce uh, consumption of, of energy if we're going to have any hope to survive the next 100 years in, in any way like the way we are today. And, and, and that means like walking more, cycling more, uh, cities, a very different view of cities, a very different view of cars, certainly not automated, autom automated cars, self-driving cars, which are just enormous producers of data and everything like that. And yet our best minds are really designing more energy consumptive solutions rather than, than, than what we need. Like we need, we need social engineering. We need, how do we get people how do we get children off e-scooters and onto bicycles? Like, uh, how do we get people away from technology? Like, what, what I, you know, what I see is, you know, we need to, we need to get back into nature if we're going to survive as a species. And yet, all the drivers are driving us further and deeper into technology. You, you're absolutely right. This is a correct observation, and uh, or. or I mean, a very good point. The uh, not only drives in technology, but also drives in the prolifer proliferation of technology, right? So we, we're not talking only uh, on a vertical, more technologies, more innovations in, in that direction, but we're also talking on the distribution on the on the earth. The problem we have is on one dimension, as an individual, as a consumer, we are pulled in all these directions, you know, consume more. And not only technology, but clothes, shoes, uh, entertainment, transportation, and so on. So, so we increase the gap in, in this way. 
between us and the environment. On the other hand, we also uh, uh, push into the technology and, and the, into the consumption uh, to to uh, uh, at, at the social level. So as an individual, we are pushed to consume more uh, because this is the basic economics, right? It's, it's GDP growth, it's industry growth, and so on. We all measure growth. We have to start to think differently if we want a, a, an impact that is regional or global. In my in my opinion, you know, in my uh, my observation is because if we have a strategy of growth and we measure growth and we reward growth. It's normal, it's natural to have these effects. We we are, as humans, we are innovative. We, as you said, we are more and more intelligent. We have more and more tools, but it's all about growth. We have companies now valued at trillions of dollars. Uh, one company, not to name, has about the same valuation as the GDP of Italy, for instance, I measure. It's uh, it's a complex problem, and people recognize on one hand the danger uh, and the damage and uh, we do to the environment. On the other hand, however, as a society, we act in opposite direction. Even if we invest in EVs, even if we invest in uh, public transportation in some countries, and so it took me a couple of years ago. We could we could inno innovate ourselves to extinction. Like innovation is necessarily an overall positive. In, in sure, it's it's fracking, oil fracking is innovation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But just connected with or in that general theme, uh, um, um, about six months ago, I had a very interesting conversation with a with an Italian engineer, uh, Pietro Jar is his name. He's he's um, a founder of this movement called uh, Slow Web. But he, he was also um, an environmental engineer in the area of mining for 30 years and, and built up a very successful company there. And he um, semi-retired at this stage, but he was, he was saying about his thinking about his life, his sons are engineers uh, as well. And he was saying about what he was taught in engineering school was, was an obsession with efficiency. And he mm -hmm. says, 30 years later, he sees his sons are being taught about efficiency um, as well. Uh, and he says, that's the wrong concept. He says, we've we've made such a mistake by focusing on efficiency because he said, what, what is much more important is, is the quantity that is released by the efficiency that it, it, from a, an environmental point of view, uh, the earth would be much happier with one filthy container ship uh, going around the world than 10 million much more efficient ones uh, that, that are, you know, burning fuel in a more, more efficient manner. And, and just connecting that up with 5G, like the argument of 5G is that it's more efficient, like, like this this almost religious, oh, they, they've said efficiency, it must be great. But, you know, so now you can you can download, you know, uh, a gigabyte faster than a megabyte. But we're now downloading, as a result, 100 gig gigabytes so that 
the efficient, they talk about per, the per megabyte efficiency. Oh, it's so much more efficient than 4G. But now we're downloading 200 or 500 times more than we would be downloading. So the overall energy and waste and impact is actually much, much greater. But if you look in this a kind of myopic lens of efficiency per megabyte, it looks like it's a great thing. But at a broader environmental level, it's a horrible thing. But efficiency per megabyte, so much better. And, and we got, we've got lost in that myopic view of efficiency or, or, or what would you think about but that, that fill you know that that obsession with efficiency. And, and I, I'll connect it back with uh, you know growth and and economic efficiency is not only technical. Uh, first thing, uh, as an engineer, I can tell you that in the engineering school, and I, I, I think you are an engineer as well. Um, they don't teach anything about environment. They don't. They they, they train us to. Uh, improve, right? Improve is another word for efficiency, right? Make it more efficient, make it better. Um, I think and we're going really, really fundamental. I think the, the whole education system, it's, uh, it needs to have a second look because we build people that are very uh, good scientists, for instance, as engineers. Uh, but uh, we never ask to solve solve a, a social problem. We always ask to solve a technical problem. Can you increase the density of the base stations? Yes. Can you reduce the power on the base station? Yes. To reduce the efficiency of of electric, you know, consumption, so I can sell newer base station. It's not for the environment that I reduce the power. It's for uh, for replacing, as you said. In, in your example, one generation is another improved, you know, efficient. Right? Uh, we, we need people that are uh, transdisciplinary. They can have a, a conversation about the environment as well as about the technology. We need to, to be much more holistic, more, much more system-oriented. If, if we want to fix the problem of uh, environmental and you started the conversation, Jerry, by saying, you know, weather changes. But people say, okay, weather changes means I need more air conditioning uh, in a developed country. It doesn't say we need to figure out why it changed. Where are we going? Like, what's your... Uh, are we are we on this path to maybe not extinction? It's very difficult to, you know, uh, the human race are extraordinary resilient but you know many scientists many believe we are we are heading towards an incredible series of shocks and uh, perhaps tipping points where we are the last generation that could actually do something about passing on a livable uh, climate to our children and and their children and we may be of 2030. 40 years, maybe 50 at a stretch, 100 years to do it. Um, what's, what's your thoughts there? We need to address this socioeconomic model where we we are all for consumption. So we call it consumers, right? 
we don't call them users or customers. We call them consumers, consumer markets. So just the mind shift. So I'll maybe just focus on how we change the minds of people to think differently. And words count, right? If I call you a consumer, what's how do I see you as a technologist? Somebody that consumes my product, make it better, more attractive, get rid of your uh, iPhone and buy the new one. So it is such a fundamental system change. We have a society where sort of we base a lot of uh, things on past history, right? More performance, as you said, more efficiency, make it more efficient, efficient, uh, technology than before. I'll give you an example from another field. Uh, we, instead of many of our conditions like high blood pressure can be solved, for instance, with, uh, with a bit of diet, no salt, uh, and more walking physical activity, you, you can solve a problem. How do we solve it today? We solve it with more medicine, give people to eat normal if you want, like a McDonald probably has sold for one or two days in, in, in a couple of bites. This is how we address problems. We inc encourage consumption of everything. So uh, as you said, uh, you can reach a tipping point. Do we have technologies to destroy ourselves? Or oh, plenty of them. Do we really react at individual or collective level? Not really. Uh, we, we become desensitized or, um, you know, no longer sensitive to these kind of things. So, you know, if you ask me to predict long-winding long discussion, but uh, human race has uh, uh, the capability to survive and also the cap capability to self-destroy. And as I said at the beginning, these are two sides of the same coin. What you said about 5G, that there's no no real reason for it and yet it's been rolled out like that a kind of um was almost like a conversation stopper in a way in in the sense of yet it's been rolled out at an incredible pace and we're and there's mega marketing and and you you're you're going to have to upgrade your phones and you know and and, and yet we where it's it it really feels like Nero fiddling while Rome burns type of side of 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 human nature and and it's of course not just it's not simply five G but you know we look at the energy impact of artificial int intelligence uh, etc that when we need we need answers today we need we need ways of creating a more livable planet. Um, it seems like it's from a technological side, we are we are tipping towards the wrong side of the coin. You, you said it, Jerry, and we need, we need many, Jerry, if I may say it in this way, uh, to, um, to really get the people to wake up. It's not a question of, uh we we cannot change the direction it's a question how we change the direction you know uh, i'll give you an example we we invest a lot in electric vehicles i did a presentation at cornell on systems uh, uh system thinking 
and I, I look at the uh, the electric vehicles. Uh, in total, electric, uh, you know, it's it's a cousin, if you want, of the telecom industry. They we need a lot of rare metals, with earth metal, you know, earth uh, elements. Uh, we we move mountains to get a few kilos of lithium. Um, and if you add everything together, uh, these cars are supposed to be fed by renewable energy. Uh, and if you look at the global level, renewables are 17% of the total energy produced, but I didn't say it, I didn't say everything. Renewables includes hydro and includes nuclear. If you separate wind and, and, and the sun, uh, you are in the low, low tens percentage of energy produced globally. So we produce these cars that require electricity and electricity is still oil and gas and, and uh, a little bit less now on, uh, on coal. So it's all, we create a, a solution to, to, to just hit, you know, kick the ball down the, down the road and say, okay, now is the time to produce renewable energy. We do not have technologies for renewable uh, that are either accepted, nuclear could be a solution for producing large and constant amounts of energy, right? So, uh, and this is the same with every industry. It's, it's a push toward the change of technologies in the name of sustainability, but we need people with a clear mind and a, you know, a clear eyesight. Like, like yourself, to really say, look, these things don't add up. Like, it's only half renewable because, like, as you indicated, the mining, like, I mean, these things, the, uh, uh, a wind turbine is not renewable. It's tons of copper, lithium, uh, fiberglass wings that currently are buried in desert somewhere uh, in, in, in the process. So the, the actual making, the like the lies we tell ourselves like that, um, these things have to be built and to build them, you, you have to mine. And in in mining, to, to get these rare earth materials or to get the lithiums, we end up going to the last vestiges of nature often. Uh, in whether it's in Chile or Brazil or or not, they're now coming the the rural parts of Ireland looking for lithium, etc. Or or of Portugal, or you're going to the Samis, um, the indigenous people of Sweden, and taking their land. So you're going to the last vestiges where nature is left, and you're digging up that area to get your lithium and your cobalt and, and your aluminium and etc. And then uh you're and then you're building these machines and you're often bringing them back to these places to put them to stick them in rural areas, these big wind turbines to disrupt uh, the life of that rural area. And then at the end of their life, you're dumping them in these rural areas, in these biodiverse areas. And this is what you're calling renewable. This is what you're calling sustainable green development. And yes, is it better than oil? Yes, it's better. But that's because oil and coal is so extraordinarily bad. Like it's it's not, you're, you're calling this green 
only because oil is so incredibly bad, but we've convinced ourselves that we're actually, this is the solution. So we're going to destroy nature, which is already under threat, to build this green future. So it's this enormous lie that we very smart people are telling ourselves about how we're going to solve the problem. The, the, the challenge is uh, we, we never think or, or never thought what the economists uh, call the unintended consequences or systems engineers, right? It, uh, you, you solve a problem only in a narrow field. Okay, so I need, uh, I, I, can, I can use the wind as a source of energy. Good, you know, good place. But as you said, we don't design, uh, we don't design uh, uh, wind farms to be recyclable. We don't design wind to be uh, environmental safe. And uh, you know, to add complexity to the problem, you have industries that make billions of dollars in the last. Uh, Years actually, the the uh, oil and gas industry <coughs> had extraordinary profits, profits they never had before, I believe. So, uh, when you're talking about such a complex system, as you said, there has to be a tipping point, has to be a catastrophic event near to the homes of the people that make the decisions, and they have to live with it. So. Uh, people don't see the the, mine ex the, the child exploitation in in, uh, in African countries where kids at six eight years old are, are you know digging with their hands for uh, for lithium. We see the the phones, we see the you know the magnets and the batteries and stuff like that. So. Uh, not that not that if we show the pictures to people, they will say, "Well, it is is not my problem, right?" So, you know, getting sort of on a on a philosophical level, the human race has uh, ha has both capabilities to progress, progress, that, and I'll come back to what I mean by progress, and uh, or or to destroy itself, as you said. And by progress, I was thinking when, when we talk about climate change. I remember going some years back in Mexico, in uh, in, in uh, trying to visit some ruins. Right, so we entered this uh, building, no air condition, completely open. Right, yeah. it it had palm leaves on top of the uh, instead of the roof, but they left a space between the roof and uh, the the wall. And it was cool. It has air draft and cooling. We we had technologies that you know people figured it out many hundreds thousands of years ago how to live in, in inside a very hard climate. It's not putting your air conditioning at sixty five Fahrenheit and hoping that uh, you know electricity still keeps going. Uh, in Texas, for instance, we get warnings, don't consume too much because you're going to have blackouts. So so we have we have the technologies, we have the knowledge, we have the will. And the wisdom, what you intimated there, that we have lo 
lost a lot of historical wisdom from indigenous uh, peoples or uh, the older, you know, going back older generations. Uh, the I know the Iranians uh, had similar solutions to what you described for air conditioning um, in in how they constructed their buildings, kind of the special type of chimneys or whatever. But even in in Brazil, like uh, which is a more modern country, I've I've been in very hot parts of Brazil where my wife is from, and they have the same concept in the in the rural areas of how they design uh, the um, the houses. There's a gap uh, up at the roof. Um, that allows this circulation. So it's not a closed. Uh, so you think, oh, that's crazy, but it's actually, it, it, it's, 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 it's in extreme heat, it's quite cool. Like it's, it's quite livable. So the, 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 we've, we've come up with a lot of very energy efficient solutions. But they said, I remember reading the article about it, Iran, they were saying, ah, yeah, but people, as they got wealthier, they didn't want to, um, use these so much because you had to clean them out you know you had to because dust would would gather at the bottom of the chimney that the so it was a bit more messy you know it was wasn't as convenient uh and as a modern family you don't want to have to clean out this chimney every morning this was the air conditioning chimney you know and so we've had so many innovative solutions in the past being able to deal with problems that great um, that today we just uh, get rid of by a technological solution. But that technological solution has this huge hidden imprint. So anyway, maybe this, as you've indicated, there's a wisdom that we have lost that we could maybe regain because we're very intelligent today, but I don't think we're very wise. We measure growth, we measure efficiency, we measure profitability, we measure return on investments. And if you have these measurements as the way of defining the society, putting palm leaves and what I said on top of a building is not a, um, you know, I can imagine the accountants or the economists trying to figure out how many leaves you need and, and so on, right? And, and how you make a business out of that and you want. Is there, a, is there a momentum that modern technology creates within the human psychic that, you know, that as we get to digital, oh, digital allows us to speed up. So then do we speed up? Like digital, it's very hard to design something digital to slow us down. <laughs> you know, digital by its nature leans towards speed and it leans towards creating copies. So, and 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 just creating stuff. So, oh, if it's easy to create copies, well, let's create 10 copies in the cloud because it's easy to create copies. And if it's easy to create copies, it's easy to create more data. Like it seems it's much easier to create more data than less data, because that's the nature of the of the of the beast, as they say, or the thing. What's the nature of 
technology is speed and copying. And so we do a lot of things quickly and we do a lot of creating and copying. Yeah, the, and again, is this whole model of, com of consumption, competition, economic crisis at the end, because you, you have the super production, you produce too much and people don't cannot consume or they don't have the money to consume. I don't think we uh, we stopped at 5G when you look at the bigger picture. It's a symptom. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's part, it's part, as you said, part of the problem. But the, the bigger picture, it's we, we create more products to sell, more services to sell. We are a cumulative society. I'll give you a positive news at the end, however, if I may. Good, good. <laughs> we have we have uh, 20 uh, volunteers and students at AKFI, and they are working really hard because they believe in sustainability. They believe that things have to change. They believe that things can be changed. So you, you refer to the, the, the next generation and generations. I think we start to understand the problem. We don't have a solution or solutions yet, but we start at the right point because once we understand we are innovative as a human race. We, we are diverse. We are, uh, we, we, as you said, we had solutions hundreds and thousands of years ago. We can go back and, and go back in an intelligent fashion, right? Because we have so much more knowledge, so, so many universities, so many ways to learn and so on, to, to transmit knowledge. If you're interested in these sort of ideas, please check out my book, Worldwide Waste at jerrymcgovern.com. To hear other interesting podcasts, please visit thisishcd.com. Thank you for listening.